0: CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovations. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sun All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sun Joke All.
1: Hello and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTRLive and hashtag leadership. Today's topic is teaching workplace relationship building. And our guests for today's show are Warren Kudman, who is the former vice president and CIO of Sealed Air Corporation. Morning, Warren. How are you?
2: Good morning. I'm doing great. Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
1: Great. And we also have Michelle Reina, who is an author and co-founder and CEO of Reina Trust Building Institute. Good morning, Michelle. How are you?
3: Good morning, Sanjog. I'm well and happy to be here with you and Warren.
1: The honor is all ours. Now, parents teach their kids how to get along with others. My mom and dad taught me that all along and how to be polite and, and know right from wrong. But then they grow up and get jobs and we expect them to still know how to interact and make relationships that are meaningful. But often when you get into this workplace, it's it's a different animal. And if we are really looking for great innovation and collaboration and we want best value out of our employees, are we really working to make sure that they get along and and build true relationships versus just t- treating each other as a coworker? So we wanted to see if leaders are actually teaching these sort of skills and the organization is fostering a DNA where such relationship building can be taught and also can be sustained. That said, Michelle, if you were to look at the genesis of this question, is because there are certain issues that we find in the way organizations have their workers relating to each other they say okay i'm going to go and hang out with my friends after work but the majority of the time which is eight to ten hours every day they are essentially working or hanging out with their co-workers but the relationship is seen to be more meaningful with people outside of work versus within the workplace is this by design or is this a self-inflicted pain which is causing us harm
3: it's a great question um what I hear in the organizations that I work with, because this is smack dab in the middle of um, the kinds of things that I'm hearing people talk about in, re- in organizations every single day, and it's a dichotomy, uh, what people are experiencing is in the day-to-day, there's so much focus on task and function and deliverables that they're missing the opportunity to really forge relationships and to connect with one another in more meaningful ways. So often that's occurring outside of work, yet the frequency in which that occurs outside of work is declining because people just don't have the time because there's also this strong hunger and desire for life balance. So what people are really looking for, Sanjog, is more holistic relationships and an opportunity to come to know and understand both who we are as people, who we are as human beings, in addition to what we know and what we do, so that we are forging relationships in a way that's helping us connect more deeply as human beings.
1: Warren, when you have uh, kind of worked with the organizations and uh, throughout your career, do you think people have this relationship deficiency that persists? Because, as uh, Michelle already mentioned, that we do not really have the time to rejuvenate ourselves, to relate and have good relationships with people outside of work because we hardly go out in the first place. And then when you're at workplace, we somehow have developed this stigma that you cannot build good relationships at workplace. Perhaps people have been hurt badly when they attempted to do so. What, what have you seen percolating as a culture?
2: Yeah, you know, I don't know that people have been hurt by trying to build relationships, but I do agree that uh, we typically don't give it enough thought Um, I think building on what Michelle was saying, that there there is so much pressure in the day-to-day workplace that we're focused on what we have to deliver. Yet, if we stop back and think about it, building strong relationships would actually help us deliver a better end product and potentially do it faster. And the lack of relationships is what can often get in our way or can lead to a solution that other stakeholders don't find satisfactory, because we didn't have the strong relationships that we could have had, uh, and and had better collaboration through the process. So I, I, I I don't think that people are necessarily, as a whole, naturally deficient in their ability to build relationships, but I don't think we invest enough in the time to do it, and we don't coach our teams through that relationship building enough.
3: Sancho, can I jump in and piggyback off Warren for a moment? Sure. I'd really like to um, uh, um, comment that uh, I so agree with the points that Warren is making um, I don't think people really get hurt in their efforts to build relationships. I think people are feeling more hurt by the absence of efforts to build relationships. And in the workplace, people have a strong desire to connect with one another as people. And through that connection, there is just a, the floodgates open for creativity, for collaboration, for... Um, engaging in decision-making, and just the kinds of results that are produced become exponential. What people are the most hurt by right now is the absence of attention to building relationships, the time dedicated to it, and the support in helping them to foster the kinds of relationships that people are really hungry for.
1: Michelle, you, you make an important point here that they have the, the missing, there's a gap there now. If people really want it, they would make time, but if the workplace demands that they are doing other things besides actually consciously developing relationships, then, then there would have been an, uh, an effort, but the belief system either is missing or we are essentially saying this relationship building is a means to an end versus the end itself. If that's the if, is is that the the belief system that percolates, or, or, or it is existing in an organization and starting from leadership all the way down to a a programmer, for example, if you were to take IT, I
3: think what what I see in my work every day is that there is a fundamental belief that many organizations have, and the leaders that I have the real privilege to work with hold. And that is a belief in the value and the importance of relationships, Um, and the value and the importance of relationships to creating a healthy, vibrant culture, as well as a culture that really produces strong business results. So there is a strong value and a fundamental belief in the importance of that. The challenge is many people just really don't quite know where to begin, or how to support people to cultivate those types of relationships in a meaningful way. Um, and so in the absence of quite not quite knowing where to begin or how to help people develop trusting relationships, it can get um, a little bit lost in the fray, if you will. So Warren go ahead, I'm go sorry. Ahead. Go, ahead. Uh, go ahead Michelle. No, I'm I I'm gonna pause and Warren hand it over to you. <laughs>
1: Okay. So, uh, so Warren, if yeah. you were to look at what, what Michelle just said, do you think that people do not have the capability to get started or find their way? And in case some of them do and others don't, then you still have that weakest link issue and because of which you'll have many people who don't have the, quite that, that capability and we as leaders and our parents or as an organization are not treating them as parents. We are looking at, okay, I've got 200 people. I do not know what personality do they bring, and so I'm not sure where to start coaching them. So that person is waiting, and you do not know what to do. So God bless us all. Yeah. So I,
2: I believe that most people have the inherent capability to build relationships, but I'll go back to what I said before in that we might not be thinking enough about the importance of exercising that, that skill. Um, and and turning it over time into something that's more natural in the workplace. But I agree with Michelle. I think that there's many great organizations and I've had the privilege to work in them where, you know, relationships are valued. It might be described as uh, the value of collaboration and teamwork uh, but you ultimately can't can't have those things if you don't have people that can work well together and, and build relationships. And so as as leaders and managers, are we specifically looking, as we're observing our teams and our, and our staff work, are we looking at how they are um, exercising relationship building? And are we giving them feedback on that? Are we coaching them on that? It's, I think if we value relationship building, we recognize it as an important element of getting to, to high performance Um, then we have to basically explicitly be observing how relationship building is working and we have to be available as role models and coaches. And so I think we have to, when we see situations where somebody isn't taking the opportunity to build a relationship or they may be damaging a relationship, I think that that leaders and managers need to act quickly and give timely feedback and coaching and present examples of alternate ways of building relationships so that it becomes it becomes more natural and, and part of the day-to-day working practices over time.
1: Michelle, if you were to look at the way an organization allows promotion of an individual who works their way up, most of it is performance-driven. Most of it is the way they carry out tasks and perhaps the way they manage and or lead troops. None of those capabilities truly are a direct indication that these people also know how to build good relationships. And when they go up, they're expected to help others learn how to build relationships. That could be like leading, uh, like blind led by another blind. Mm-hmm. Would you what What would you say is wrong in this approach where the person's performance appraisal doesn't have this aspect which is essential to eventually helping others build relationships, to have that cohesive culture, to have that innovation and growth that they are always looking for?
3: What, I, what I'm what i seeing, Sanjog, is that there's actually, um, and I think this is very positive, that there's a shift away from that. Uh, when there is that very linear view on performance, which is I would, for ease of language, I would call on the hard side. Perhaps a person's technical skills or knowledge or core concrete competencies, when there's a focus on that in absence of the softer side, which is the interpersonal skills and the relationship building, there can be a skewered lens Uh, because a person can have depth of knowledge and expertise around a subject but be very ineffective in how they are relating with others. What I'm observing in many organizations is there's a shift away from that because people are increasingly noticing and becoming aware that if a leader does not have the ability to forge healthy relationships, how much they know is not as of much value because it's more difficult to access. Um, So increasingly, I'm seeing built into performance review processes, those formalities of evaluating a person's performance, there is a holistic view on both their accomplishments in terms of concrete deliverables as well as the health of the culture in relationships that they are cultivating.
1: Now, Warren, in your experience, what are some of the signs that you've seen when people are, are giving away those, those signals that there is either not enough trust among one another or there are some other unhealthy attitudes and relationship portion of the, the coexistence is missing?
2: Well, I, I think you see signs in that um, you know, people will self-select and, and try to not work with individuals that they don't feel they have good relationships with. Um, so you'll see patterns of avoidance, um, you may see isolation, uh, and you may see team performance that um, suffers because the team itself doesn't have good uh, interpersonal dynamics, uh, and, and they're struggling as a result. Uh, I, I think all of those are, are pretty strong signs. Um, and I, I think, you know, if you, if you tie in uh, to, to some of the things that Michelle just said with this question about, you know, leaders not having strong relationship skills, if you think about how work gets done more and more, it gets done through partnerships um, and alliances inside in an organization, and, and it's through strong relationships that we, that we achieve better performance. So it's really not likely that somebody can achieve a strong leadership role if they aren't able to build partnerships and support in different parts of the organization, because they're going to need that to be effective. Uh, So again, when you see people who are smart, but who tend to be isolated, uh, it's a very strong sign that they haven't built great relationships.
1: Michelle, you got anything else to add to it?
3: Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, What Warren's really talking about are it it is the core truth of business in any type of organization, uh, any size, shape, any place in the world. Business is conducted through relationships and trust. This thing called trust is the foundation to the health and the effectiveness of those relationships. Leaders are really responsible for both the health of the business and the business results and the health of the culture. Trust is what builds the bridge between business results and people connecting. And without it, um, there is always the compromise to effectiveness on both sides, the hard side of the business as well as the soft interpersonal side of the culture.
1: Let's take a quick break. Listeners we will be right back and continue this conversation and perhaps also touch that why, when we see the signs, where do we get started? Because there are so many different personalities and we really do not know what is causing people to behave in a certain way because something is going wrong with their family or anything else that's happening, which may be causing them to behave in a certain way in a in, a, in a longer period and that may be causing this toxicity in the relationship. So what is happening how do we get to know? How do you get them, those people to get over those humps and then start getting into the group where everyone at a workplace is able to build healthier relationship? Let's explore that more. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner.
4: Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing.
0: If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All.
1: Welcome back. So, Warren, based on what your response was, where you you saw a few signs and Michelle added to those. Now, coming back to you, Warren, if you do see those signs, how do you approach these issues as a parent or as an organizational leader for you to be most effective and be able to further diagnose and then work with those individuals or groups to make success happen?
2: Yeah, I I think it comes back to coaching and feedback. So I I think it's very important for a manager, for a leader to pull an individual aside uh, and if there was... A difficult experience that had just occurred is to not wait, but set, sit down with that person, um, revisit the situation, explain alternate ways that it might have been handled differently, and and have the individual develop an awareness of how their behavior can sometimes get in the way of building a stronger relationship and how the lack of relationships are going to make them less effective. Um, and I think that, that what can be very helpful at times is to point to other individuals who have very good relationship skills and are recognized for that and use them as examples and models that might be able to help the individual. So that individual, as they go through the course of their day, can be observing as well as practicing relationship-building skills. So, you know, it's, it's that individual coaching and, and mentoring that I think can be most valuable. Um, you know, you, you talk about being a parent, being an organization leader. I, in the past, have had people come to me and tell me that they're having a difficult time working with another individual or they've disagreed with, with somebody else's approach. And my response to them is, look, I'm not going to be the parent and I'm not going to act on your behalf to make it right. What I'm going to do is talk to you about how I think you can engage with that individual to get over the challenge. And, and that ultimately comes back to, you know, exercising relationship building skills. I think if we fix the problem for our teams, they're not going to ultimately learn how to do it for themselves.
1: Any different take from you, Michelle, in the way Warren mentioned that he would not be a parent, but actually help those people develop that skill, that strengthen their DNA, if you will, mm-hmm. so that they get better? Do you, what are the ups and downs of that? Because I would also personally deal with that as a leader, whether I should help cradle someone all the mm-hmm. way to helping solve their problem or let them fight it.
3: Right. Well, let me, let me first um, comment that if, if we were, could see each other, you would notice uh, a big smile on my face when I was hearing Warren speak. And I want to just first share with you both and the listeners that this is such a core critical issue. How do we respond when we are seeing that there are signs and indicators that are getting in the way of healthy relationships? Um, in fact, my business partner and husband, Dennis Reina, and I wrote a book dedicated specifically to this topic. It's called Rebuilding Trust in the Workplace. So it's a very useful tool for those who may want to dig a little bit deeper. Um, but building upon Warren's comments, um, I so appreciate and have tremendous respect for what he offered. There is a coaching mentoring component to it. Um, quite often leaders tend to turn the other way because it can be a little bit um, awkward or often people don't quite know how to respond when there are signs and indicators that things are breaking down. What we find to be most helpful is is the first step is to really acknowledge what one is seeing. Uh, Quite often, as Warren commented, people can begin to withdraw Uh, the collaborative spirit can begin to wane. Um, Often in organizations when there's a breakdown in relationships, there's a heavy amount of gossip, um, backmiting, the rumor mill is running in overdrive, uh, and people's, their level of enthusiasm is beginning to diminish. So it is helpful to, in a coaching, mentoring way, to acknowledge what one is observing and, as Warren said, to step people into a conversation where they can explore more fully what is going on and to consider what are extenuating circumstances, what bigger picture may be at play, what else might be going on from a business perspective or a cultural perspective. And another key component is often helping people to understand how they themselves may also be contributing to the challenge in the relationship. Often it's easy to look at other people's behavior, and any of us may get caught up in pointing a finger or blaming another person, but when the coach is helping the individual step into the discomfort of a breakdown in relationship, there is always that honest assessment of one's own behavior and how I may have been contributing to what's getting in the very way of the thing I want and then what kind of responsibility can I take and can others take. Um, So what we're really talking about here is stepping into the discomfort and the breakdown in working through it to come out on the other side with restored trust with um, healthy connecting and vibrancy so that relationships can be sustainable. Often the biggest mistake that people make is they move in the opposite direction and get caught up in defending their behavior or rationalizing their actions rather than stepping into what's really been getting in the way.
2: Well, wow, I, I really like that, uh, that point, Michelle. Uh, I, I think it's... it's it's worth saying again, you know, I think so often we all feel that it's the other person that needs to change and we're fine. Um, and, and we are in denial. Uh, and I've, I've made that mistake myself in the past. And I think we always have to recognize, um, our contribution to, uh, to a difficult situation or a breakdown in a relationship and, and ask ourselves and get feedback from others about what what we might have done or should have done differently. Um, I I think that's an excellent point.
3: Thank you, Warren. And, you know, I I share this with you. I think we all have had this experience. And what I find to be key in helping any of us step into this is... You know, we've got to, yes, take some responsibility and ownership and at the same time cut ourselves a little bit of slack. If we begin to beat up on ourselves or beat up on others or point a finger or make one another wrong, it makes it a little bit tougher to really look at ourselves because none, the, the likelihood is that none of us intentionally contribute to a breakdown in relationship. You know, the the vast majority of us don't set out to hurt somebody or let somebody down or behave in ways that are not true to ourselves. We don't intend to. We don't set out to. But life happens, and we all trip up. And I find that if we can bring in the presence of compassion where we're not judging or criticizing ourselves or others, we're simply trying to learn and to grow and to own. Holy cow, there's just so much um, growth and insight that we can acquire that we actually find ourselves in some funny kind of way grateful for the, um, the wrestling through because of where we land on the other side. So
1: there are only so many compassionate and caring and shrink-like Warrens out there within an organization, right, Warren, where you are approached by people. You did not ask for it. They came to you because they thought that you care. You will really work with them to help them solve their problem. Now, your organization may be much bigger, and there may be many other people who may not feel that there is enough people and they're so far removed from you. That, that they do not see there is any option inside the organization so they go outside and then those outside people may not have full understanding of what's going on within the organization so they may not do justice to that coaching or mentoring or parenting, whatever that, that may be. How do you handle that with other people in the organization so that we don't have such victims existing in an organization?
2: So I I think it becomes a value that you have to actively promote and model. Um, So as a leader, what I need to make sure I'm doing, and I put a lot of emphasis on, is providing feedback to the people that work closely with me who are part of my leadership team. Uh, And then I set an expectation but one where there's rationale for how it benefits all of us, that that same kind of coaching will be done down the line. And I, I think Michelle said, and I, and I think it's right, you know, a lot of organizations today make it an explicit part of the evaluation process where we're not just looking at outcomes, but we're looking at behaviors. Uh, and so some of us might be fortunate enough to work in an organization where there's an expectation that that coaching and and collaboration, you know, are are part of uh, are part of what needs to be there to make us successful. Um, so it, it it comes back to uh, having an expectation that this will be done, and then modeling that, and communicating the value of that, and and making it part of you know a team's working practices.
3: And Warren, what I find in in the kind of situation that you're describing, because I'm I'm right there with you um, in the point of view you, that you're providing, is the other component of it. I think that's important on behalf of leadership. Uh, where there's the modeling um, and the setting of precedent in terms of here's the values and the beliefs, but the actual backing that up in the way that they are actually living those values and those beliefs. Um, the other component is, and I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on this as well, is that often uh, people need some help to learn how to practice those behaviors. They need some help to learn how to be that leader or that coworker as a coach, as a peer coach, as a team coach that often people have an innate desire that, yeah, I want to be that person. I want to show up in that way. I want to practice those behaviors. I want to be that role model. And sometimes they need help to learn how to be that person to model those behaviors.
1: Let's take a quick yeah. break. Listeners, we'll be right back. Warren, will continue this okay. conversation once we when we are back from the break. So please stay tuned, listeners. Okay. We'll be right back. Great.
0: HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring
4: your most important workloads to the cloud. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing.
0: HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner.
1: Welcome back. So uh, Warren, you had a comment which you were trying to make on, on Michelle's last comment. Um,
2: actually, I, uh, I, I might need to be refreshed on that. I apologize. I don't. No, that's uh, I don't okay. So
1: yeah, while you bring that thought back up, I'll ask you, Michelle, this question about how many times does an organization take a pause and pause with an individual to say, you, you're doing whatever you're doing, keeping the performance portion aside. But, how are you doing, John or Jane, to I make think, sure that they are talking mm-hmm. their heart out?
3: Mhm yeah, no, it's a great question. I think that um in the past, there are um, in the life of most organizations, uh, there hasn't been those pause moments. Um, and so, as a result, we often hear people talk about challenges and issues that go unaddressed or unresolved, and they build and build over time. Or there may be um, cultural surveys or engagement assessment scores that indicate there are signs and troubles and issues, uh, yet they go unaddressed. So I, I think there's been a predisposition to not take those momentary pauses because of the speed and pace of life. However... What I feel extremely encouraged by is there is a growing cadre of leaders who are paying attention to this and who are recognizing the need to take a pause and pay attention to the health of the relationship. So let me give a very specific um, Example that I think will illustrate this. There is a large insurance company that I've had the honor to work with for a couple of years. And this is an interesting paradox uh, because in this organization, there is very fast, fast, high growth, double-digit growth for over five years and a high degree of profitability. So one might think that, wow, this is a really exciting, extraordinary place to work. Yet what was happening is a paradox. The people within the organization, the employees, have a tremendous amount of passion for the organization, for the products they provide, the customers they support, and a strong belief in the difference they make in the world. So all of that is at play. Yet at the same time, engagement was beginning to dwindle and people were beginning to have the signs and indicators that Warren was talking about earlier of relationships losing their vitality. Collaboration began to dwindle. Uh, People had passion, yet their enthusiasm for what they do every day was not as strong. So what these leaders did was something very bold. The first thing they did was actually step into the organization and they decided to do a baseline assessment on the level of trust, so they exercised the courage to ask their employees to engage in assessment that actually measured the level of trust. They were able to pinpoint specific behaviors that contributed to trust and healthy ways of relating and pinpoint the kinds of patterns and dynamics that were getting in the way of healthy ways of relating. So it was their way of taking a pause and in stepping into the organization and making it safe for people to talk about what they were experiencing in their relationships with one another and within their leaders. That, did th- that helped them to do thing- two things, identify their leverage points and identify vulnerabilities. What these leaders then did was garner their support of their HR professionals and others to help them build some skills and tools that they could use to teach their employees how to practice the behaviors that would help them strengthen their relationships. And Sanjog, every eight weeks for a year and a half, Leaders brought people together for a 90-minute period of time, and they did this throughout their entire company. It was in the United States, this particular division, but they did it throughout their company. And every eight weeks for 90 minutes, they brought groups of people together, and they took a pause to focus on their relationships and to learn one or two skills that would help them collaborate with one another, to have open, honest conversation with each other, to manage agreements and manage expectations with one another. And over the course of time, they began to see significant shifts in how people related to each other across functional lives, within teams, and they had results that began to really show the payoff of that investment in not just taking the time but to invest in the skills and the tools to support building those kinds of relationships. At the end of the day, it's what really transforms a culture and takes business to a whole new level
1: great points michelle so warren now i come to you with the strategy that was utilized by this company michelle mentioned if yeah. people come together and they are shared, they basically are allowed to collaborate etc to say these are some of the things what we are what we are essentially doing there is trying to help them change their behavior yeah. and that would foster a better culture presumably now think about the way people behave sometimes is not a direct reflection of how they're thinking, and that could essentially take people back to their original state if that constant eight-week program was stopped, if, if that is the case. How do we know that that's not the case? What people are doing today is not because they really want to do from within, and they have suddenly formed, you know, uh, have the more love for their coworker. It's because the company said, the HR said, we are going to get this thing together. I'm trying to go a level deeper than, than the behavioral exercise. It's think, more the intent exercise.
3: Well, I think what you're referring to, the, the first point is around awareness. Um, and that's where behavioral change first begins is, is raising the level of awareness. So if we take a situational context where an organization is devoting time and energy and effort to building healthy relationships, Um, in my view, is there must be that presence of trust. It requires, first, a level of awareness of what is it that builds healthy relationships. What are those behaviors that contribute to high-trust relationships, strong, healthy relationships? So there's an awareness. There's the introduction to behaviors that contribute to the very thing we want. And out of that, people begin to make choice. I call it conscious choice through the awareness of behavior and language to help me discuss those behaviors, me and others, we are supported to make a choice, a conscious choice of how we show up and how we behave. Because we may value healthy relationships. I believe we all want it and we all deserve it. But the only thing that builds it is the way we show up and behave. That requires awareness. And out of that conscious choice and then the outcome of the behaviors that we practice contribute to those healthy relationships or when we lose our footing and behave unconsciously can contribute to the vulnerability of them.
1: Great. Now, Warren, do you think, and this is uh, something you can share with your experience, if we show a behavior of getting along, smiling when we shake hands with each other, does that always mean there is an internal intent which has changed to say, I really want to build a relationship in a corporate setting?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it goes beyond the smile and the handshake, but yes, I, I strongly believe that people will, will react to the behaviors that they see uh, being demonstrated by others. And so there's a well you know, a well-worn phrase uh, called tone at the top that many of us have probably heard before and that, you know, teams will look to organization leaders and observe their behaviors and very often will be influenced and will tend over time to model those same behaviors. So I think it's both a top-down and a bottom-up and what Michelle described and what we've been talking about is it is that awareness, it is that coaching that's very important But what's observed in the workplace by people who are, you know, uh, very visible, tend to be very visible, uh, tend to be uh, role models for others, the behaviors that they actually execute are strong examples for what people believe is expected of themselves as they go through, you know, their day-to-day working practices. And look, there there are different types of relationships as well, right? There are... Uh, relationships between a subordinate and a manager. There are relationships among peers. Um, Those things may execute somewhat differently, but each one of them is important, and each one of those types of relationships can be coached. And I think that a manager just demonstrating and acting in a way where they're looking to relate to their team members Uh, sets a very strong example for people to think about how they can act in their relationships with others.
3: I also think, um, building upon Warren for a moment, that there are ways that coworkers can demonstrate and model for one another um, the, the tone at the top reminds me of the other phrase that I think we're all familiar with, which is walking our talk. And, dog, I appreciated your question around we begin with a smile and the extension of a handshake. That would imply that there's intentionality. So that would create a starting point, would open the door for he- healthy relationships and healthy ways of behaving. It then needs to be backed up continuously again and again and again by actions in behaviors that give birth to patterns. Often in organizations, there's heavy focus on how people at the top behave, and there's rightness and appropriateness about that. However, what I'd like to also um, offer is a perspective that everybody has responsibilities. So, yes, while setting the tone and modeling and coaching Um, resides with tremendous responsibility with leaders. Leaders don't have 100% responsibility. So wherever an individual sits in the space of their organization, every one of us makes choices in how we are behaving day in and day out. And our leaders, yes, provide coaching and role modeling and mentoring, but there is tremendous value we can gain from the coaching and role modeling we experience from one another and in cultivating a culture where relationships are healthy and vibrant and there's high trust, that begins with each and every one of us and the choices that we make and the way we are behaving every day. So in short,
1: just for clarity, Michelle, if we are to create good relationships or at least create an organizational culture, then we could start with modeling certain behaviors, let people adopt and embrace, and that will then start going below the skin and start making an impact that this really is helping and they will start creating a belief system among themselves that if I, the way I'm behaving, it is coming from deep within, that means I really... Start working on the relationship side. I will have dividends, and that will create that fundamental transformation at an individual level as well. Is that what we are saying?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And and it is. It is because every single one of us contributes to the experiences that we are having. Um, You know, often when when we've talked about um, you know signs and indicators that relationships aren't healthy, I also wanted to just acknowledge that often there's focus and emphasis on how people feel disappointed and let down by their leaders. Well, the truth is leaders often feel disappointed and let down by their people as well. So it brings us back to each and every one of us, but through the Raised Awareness, of how we can build healthy relationships, the kind of coaching that Warren has been talking about, the choices that each and every one of us make, you know, the the magic that begins to happen, yes, our workplaces become transformed, but guess what? So do our relationships at home because wherever we go, there we are. And we all go to work every day and we all go home every day. And how we show up in relationships applies to the people that we live with, the people that we work with. And in an organization, when people are supported to learn how to behave in ways that build healthy relationships, it contributes to the relationships they have at home. And that's often the icing on the cake for leaders is when they when they have a chance to hear that, you know, I went home and talked with my husband about what I learned today. Or wow! I had a very different conversation with my kid than I than I would have a week ago because of what I've learned and what I've been practicing and experiencing here with my team. So there is a way that it is transformative through all aspects of our lives.
1: Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Warren, when we come back, let's look at the multi generational workforce their different approaches to how they build relationships, the, the fact that we are trying to have more people work from their respective homes so they don't Great see question. each other face-to-face. How does all of that new transformed organizational uh, setup is going to impact how well do you teach people to become better in terms of building relationships? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back.
4: Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing.
0: HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner.
1: Welcome back. So Warren, fundamental difference in multi-generational workforce in the way they model their behavior, want to behave with each other, or build relationships. Then you got people working from their respective homes. At most, have video conferencing once in a while. That doesn't yes. help. It makes the matter more challenging. How do you deal with that?
2: Yeah, I, I think the multi-generational challenge is is a particular uh, one that's that's difficult. I think we have to go back to having people from you know different, different uh, generations with different styles of talking to each other and building relationships is to appreciate where the other generation is coming from. We, um, you know, we're never, we're never going to transform uh, let's say millennials back to putting down their, their smartphones and, and tweeting and, and using social media to, you know, picking up a telephone and actually having a conversation, which is a discussion I have with my kids all the time. Um, they might be willing to do that periodically, and you know people who uh, who had not grown up with social media might find it challenging to supplement their relationships through that type of uh, through that type of mechanism. but I think that we have to also coach and have people who uh, who are my age, let's say pretty ancient now but but appreciate that the younger generation is using that as an important vehicle of, of communicating and, and maintaining relationships. Um, so it's, you know, can we meet, can we meet halfway? Can we all bring something to the table in terms of what we're looking for in the mechanics of our relationships, as well as, you know, ultimately getting to those personal connections. And so, you know, then taking that, the importance of making the personal connection and bringing it then to remote workforce and people working from home. Um, You know, I've actually had a lot of that in my career where I've had members of the team who work in a remote location where the bulk of the team is not located or, or frankly work from home for whatever reason. And the video conferencing helps. You know, actually seeing somebody's face when you're having a conversation, I think does help build a bridge. But what I found, I'd be interested to hear what Michelle has to say, is that it's still important to bring people physically together periodically to really build um, as strong of a bond as possible. I, I found there's nothing like, for example, getting people together and breaking bread together and having a nice, you know, relaxed couple of hours over a meal. For people to feel more comfortable with each other on a more personal basis, um, so that when they do go back to their respective workplaces, but they're still working together remotely, the bond that they have forged makes the working relationship much more effective. So, I think remote working can work, but I think it's really important to still to still you know, take advantage of the opportunity to bring people together in the same place from time to time. I,
3: I couldn't agree more. And I, I um, comment both from my own actual experience with my own firm, um, where my business partner and husband and I have an actual virtual team ourselves, and we have a team um, where we span um, across multiple generations. So there's that millennium component um, where we have members of our team who work virtually and um, are of the younger generation that heavily use social media and text and don't have the same kind of need for perhaps what might, might be a more higher-touch in the way that my generation, because as with you, Warren, I think I'm a little bit more, I'll say, seasoned (laughs) than at this age of my life. And there is something about uh, opening ourselves up to learning from them of these new ways of being able to communicate, uh, at the same time asking them to learn from us. So there's kind of a neat bridge that can be um, built there. So I wanted to just comment on that because I I got a kick out of uh, hearing you speak about that and so related to it. Uh, But the the other aspect about the virtual uh, arrangement, I find for myself that... Fifteen
1: seconds, Michelle. It requires
3: more effort, and there is nothing that can ever replace what happens when there's that that FaceTime. So there's something about the commitment to making sure that that happens, and it makes the virtual be much more fluid and effective.
1: On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, both Warren and Michelle, for sharing your thoughts on how organizations can create a culture where we can teach individuals and groups how to build strong relationship and and sustain a culture of that sort. Thank you so much again.
0: Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. and Bosch Software Innovations.